It is very good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I am very thankful to have this opportunity at this time. I don't know if most of you probably know, um, I've just come over, come out of, a bout of pneumonia. Uh, It's a very interesting thing to have happen to you uh, when you have a plan to do something, when you have a plan to be somewhere, when you feel like uh, people are depending on you to be there, and then God says, you know what, I want to give you an opportunity to rest. And uh, <clears throat> and that really how, how it, it, it is how it is for me. Um, I don't, you can ask my wife, I don't generally rest. Uh, I generally just keep going until I wear out, and then God says, okay, time for a pause. So, uh, it, it's been a blessing to be home. Um, it's been awesome to be uh, with Beth so much, around Beth. I don't know how she's felt about it. No, I do know. She's loved it. Um, in fact, she says, um, can we just figure out a way to make money and do this all the time, just stay home together? Uh, wouldn't that be nice? Uh, but I am very thankful to be here, and I'm very thankful uh, that God has given me this opportunity, as I said before. Uh, if you have seen the passage of Scripture this morning, maybe you have not. I don't know if you could put it up there. Um, the passage of Scripture this morning and, um, is an interesting passage of Scripture. It's actually um, not the easiest passage of Scripture to read from and to understand and to say, oh, that's a real easy nugget. I can do that, and, and I don't have any problems with that. This is a passage of Scripture that's a little bit more of a struggle, a little bit more difficult uh, maybe to... And so you have to have a lot of background. So I'm going to be doing, this morning I'm going to be doing a lot of background information. Uh, I'm going to be rifling through a lot of different scriptures. And that's one of the reasons why there aren't that many up there or on your little, um, uh, on your phone uh, for, the, for the live event. Because there are a lot of scriptures that I'm going to go through. But what I want to do this morning is I want to read this passage of scripture. And I want to do it in such a way that... Um, how how it has been done for years, and that's when the when the scriptures read, uh, we stand and we read it together. So what I'm going to do this morning is, if you could just stand with me, we're going to read this passage of scripture together, and then you may be seated. Matthew 21 verses 18 through 22. If you have your Bibles, you're more than welcome to open it up, and uh, I'll give you a moment. I'm not hearing any shuffling, so. I'm assuming I can read Matthew 21, verses 18 through 22. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. You may be seated. All right, so this isn't a very difficult one. Easy. Jesus kills a tree, says, just pray and it will be done. All right, end of story. All right. Well, I want to I want to give you just a real quick understanding of why I'm speaking from this to begin with. A, a couple of weeks ago, we were doing family devotions, and I think we were talking about this. Or somehow, Elena came across this passage, and she said, "Dad, 
that's a scripture I don't understand. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand what's going on there. And I want to say to you as a Christian, as a believer this morning, whether you have children or not, or whether you, whether you believe you have influence or not, when people around you say, I don't understand something, you might want to look at it and say, you know what, maybe I need to look into that. Maybe I need to investigate that a little more and learn a little bit more about it. Maybe I need to, <coughs> excuse me, maybe I need to investigate and examine what God is trying to say to me there. So Elena, this sermon this morning is for you. If, uh, if you were wondering why I picked this passage, it's because my daughter said, Daddy, I don't understand. Now let's translate that to where we are as children of God. Do we come to our daddy and say, Daddy, I don't understand? Daddy, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why. And then we insert the problem or the issue or the, or the scripture. Daddy, I don't understand. And our loving Heavenly Father says, let me help you. Let me help you. So as we get into this this morning, I want to do a little background. This passage of Scripture, the same story occurs in Mark as well. And there are some differences between this one and the one in Mark. The one in Mark, it takes a period of time for the tree to wither. The one in Matthew, the tree withers immediately. Is that a real game changer for your faith? Can you believe that God can do one or the other? Absolutely. We have another little interesting thing that's going on here. This is, the, this is in the last week of the life of, of Christ here on earth. And so we have all these different things going on. And one of them is that in Mark, there is in Mark 11, and I want to make sure I, I reference that. In Mark 11, Jesus does the triumphal entry. And we all know that one. Hosanna, Hosanna, the branches go down. He walks on the you know, the, the, he's on the donkey and, and everything's going great. And the next morning he wakes up and he goes, he's walking toward the temple and he's hungry and he sees a fig tree and then the fig tree, and then he, he curses the fig tree. And then he just keeps going. Nothing else happens. He then goes to the temple knock the tables over. The next morning after that, they're walking back by that spot the disciples see that the tree is withered from the root. So in other words, it's not like just, oh, it doesn't have any leaves. Like it's dried up and they can tell from the root it's dead. So that's kind of the difference in, in these two. And I love this. I love this passage of Scripture because it doesn't quite match up in my mind. I, I, can't, I can't understand why. Um, I can't understand why, why Scripture would say one thing and say another, but I love it because that's where my faith begins. We all know John 3.16, and your faith can begin there, but if your faith stays there, where is your faith? Faith has to grow. Faith has to develop. Faith has to move beyond saying, that's it and that's it. So how does our faith grow? How does our faith change? How is our faith challenged? Well, we all understand and know how our faith changes and is challenged. It's through living. It's through doing. 
We see here, we see also in Luke, there is another parable of the fig trees. Luke doesn't say anything about this. Luke, about this specific story of the withering of the fig tree. In Luke, it is, it is, there is a parable of a fig tree. And the gardener, the uh, person who owns the tree twice asked, asked the gardener for mercy and to not destroy it. Because this fig tree is, is withering, it's dead. It's, it's, and twice they wait, and in the, in the end, there is no fruit. The tree is, is cut down. And in, in each of these, we can see how very easily with Jesus tossing tables and doing the, and um, preparing for the end of his ministry, we can see how this reference, this fig tree could be easily referenced to Israel, the symbol of Israel, specifically seen in the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law and how they specifically had so much. They had the opportunity, they were given the opportunity to, to know God and to recognize Him and to live in Him and to be a part of Him, and yet they missed it. And how do we know they missed it? Because they didn't bear fruit. See, here's the point. They didn't bear fruit. So very easily, this could be a symbol of Israel and the people and how they rejected God and didn't bear fruit. They didn't change. They didn't really love if they served, they served for their own purposes and their own meaning and their own desires. And they didn't serve for love and they didn't serve God because of God. So th- there's, a, there's another explanation and understanding in that. But even as you, as you go in that and you see this, this passage of Scripture that talks about a fig tree dying, you, you still don't see where he talks specifically about Israel. And so I have to go deeper. And I have to say to myself, how is it that Jesus would come upon a tree, which we know in Scripture, specifically in Mark, says it was not in season. In other words, Jesus in, in April, in, in our calendar, this would have been around April, we understand that fig trees wouldn't necessarily bloom until June. So how could Jesus, walking up to a tree full of leaves, expect in April for this tree to have fruit on it? It says in Scripture, it was not in season. It almost seems like Jesus is walking up and punishing this tree for doing what it was supposed to be doing. Huh. Elena, that's a head-scratcher. I don't understand that. Well, so we could get hung up on that. We could say, well, the tree was doing what it was supposed to be doing. It didn't have to have fruit yet. It wasn't time yet. And Jesus walked up, and because he was hungry, he cursed it. Do you see how it's just kind of dangling off there? It's just not. It's, it just doesn't make sense. And I love it. Because if you have a faith that makes sense then you probably don't have a faith. Ooh, Pastor Paul, that's not fair. I know that my great-grandfather started a church, and I know that my, my grandfather did this, and my grandmother did that, and I know that my father did this, and I know that this happened and that happened, and I know all these things, but Paul, what are you talking about? 
There are so many things in Scripture that we see time and time again. I mean, it's, it's as simple as saying Jesus is the Son of God and He shed all of His heavenly glory and splendor and He came down to earth to be with us, to dwell among us so that we might know Him and the power of His resurrection so that we might sense and see that God is not a distant, far-off being, but that He loves us. And He sent His Son not just to perform miracles, not just to have certain things happen so that Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit would look really cool. Jesus didn't come down to look cool. He came down to save. So when your faith is dangling off the edge and you go, it just doesn't make sense. Good! I believe that when you have love, if you you take away what love is, you're not going to have any action. You're going to have no purpose, no meaning. You can say the word love, but if you don't have action, you will have nothing. James specifically says, faith without works is dead. And specifically is not works, meaning let's go do something for someone to make myself feel better. Works is, say, is sitting down and wrestling and struggling and saying, God, I don't understand. Beautiful example. Specifically in Mark. I love this. If you want to turn with me to Mark, I love this. I love it, I love it, I love it. Because it, it, it opens up my eyes to the understanding of what faith really is. Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it would probably, it, it, it would take a little too long. But I'm going to summarize it. Jesus is speaking and Jesus is talking. Here's a ruckus. And he's like, what's going on? And you can see him almost. He's just kind of like, oh, okay, what's going on? And they say to him, this boy has been possessed, and he's been possessed for years and years. And his father has come and said, help. His father has come and said, help me. And we know later on that the disciples said, we weren't able to cast out this demon. Jesus says, how long must I be with you? <laughs> In other words, look guys, you're going to have to get it at some point without me here specifically doing the miracles in front of you, how long must I be with you? Where is your faith? And I love this right here. I love this. I love this. His father says, Jesus, if you can help me. If you can. If you can. We ever say that to Jesus? We ever come in faith? in our faith prayer, and say, Jesus, if you kind of could do something, I know that you were there at the beginning of time and you were in creation, and I know and understand all that, but God, this may maybe not be a big deal to you, but it's a really big deal to me. Let me tell you something right now this morning. If it is a big deal to you, it is a big deal to your loving Heavenly Father. Amen? See, that's the thing we miss. We miss it. We miss the fact that God loves us and He does for us. How do, we, how do I know God loves me? Because He sent His Son. He did. 
How do I know that I'm growing my faith? Because I am doing. Where are you in your faith? You'll know exactly where you are in your faith by knowing that you are doing something. You are being challenged. You are being stretched. You are being pushed. You are being shaped. James, two, James 1, verse 3 says, The testing of your faith develops, anybody know this big long word? Perseverance. See, that's it. That's why this passage is here. It's here because it just... But you just believe, and you keep going, and you keep struggling, and you keep wrestling, and you don't stop, and you don't give up. I'm going to talk a little bit later about prayer life and what prayer life is and what I believe prayer life is to me. But we have this pastor of Scripture, and, 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 and this father says, you've you got to remember, this kid, his whole life, he's been thrown into water to kill him. He's been, thrown into, he's been thrown into fires by these demons. He's seen every possible conceivable horrible thing done to his son. And he says, if you can, just please. And Jesus says, if you can, if you can, everything is possible with God. Everything is possible with God. My dear brothers and sisters, this morning, I believe there are some if-you-cans in this room. And I may be one of them. If you can, God, God, if it really would matter to you enough to see fit that you might possibly want to help me with, no, that's not it. God, I believe you can. I believe all things are possible in you. I believe and I stand on your word and I stand on your promises. And whether this scripture tells me that it withered right away or it took a day to wither, it doesn't matter. Because I know you are a God of possibility and I know there's nothing you cannot do. Look at your lives, each one of you. Think for a moment of a time when you knew that you had to make a choice. Each of us did. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. God, if you can. I don't, I don't know if you can. And Jesus' response to you this morning is very, very simply. If I can, don't you know I love you and that all things are possible through God? All things are possible through God. We know the testing of our faith develops perseverance. Uh, Hebrews 11, and, and uh, I referenced this, this verse last time, and I'm not sure how much I, I spoke from it. But Hebrews 11, uh, 13 through 16 and 39 through 40, speaks specifically to the lives of the individuals that are mentioned in that passage of Scripture in that chapter. Hebrews 11 talks about this. It's, it's, it's a historical document of different people and the things they faced. It stops a lot on Abraham, but it talks about lives of people who struggled, who wrestled, who were promised something from God, and in the end, they just didn't receive it yet. It's, 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 it's what it says right there, Hebrews 11. And if you go specifically to 39 and 40, 
you'll see it there. I want to read it because it, it is a very powerful passage of Scripture. And what it says and what it speaks to us about our faith in action. 39, and, and right before this, it talks about all the, all the things, all the problems that people face because they believe in Jesus Christ. Because they said, I will follow God no matter what. So 39 and 40, there, they, these were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what they had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us, they would be made Perfect, and what that's specifically talking about, and I can give you I give you an example. Abraham was promised that his that his uh, descendants would be many and great. Did Abraham see his descendants be many and great? No, he was an old guy who barely had a couple of sons, and that's it. And one of them really wasn't ever going to work out. And he, and he, can you believe God would would tell him? Your descendants are going to be many, and yet he's in his 90s, and he's got nothing to show. So did he, see his, did he see his descendants become many? No. But did his descendants become many? Yes. But beyond the physical understanding of earth and what does and does not happen in our faith and belief, we have to recognize that there is a spiritual component that's going on that we cannot see. That is why a parent prays for their child, their infant child, that they would come to know the Lord in a real way. That is why, teenagers, right now, you can be praying for your spouse who you don't even know is around. And you can say, God, be with my spouse. I don't know who they are and I don't know who they're going to be, but I believe that I can pray now that you would intercede in their life. Why? Because God is a God who is faithful and he is not bound by our time, by our circumstances, by our situations. He is in and through each situation and circumstance. He has been, he is, and he always will be. Isn't that wonderful? See, the world doesn't understand that. The world understands and says there is a bad situation and we have to do this, this, and this to make it good. God says, here is a situation, here is an opportunity, as one of my good friends have said to me, there's nothing bad about an, about an experience. It's just another opportunity. God sees an opportunity for something and He says, you know what, I'm going to take that that thing, whether, it's, whether you deem it good or bad or not, and with your physical eyes, with your, with your physical understanding, I'm going to use that opportunity. Can you see what I might be doing? I got a real quick one. What if uh, the tree withered? We know the tree withered. Tree was only good for what? To be chopped down and used for wood. What if there was a family that had been praying, God, we don't have enough money to heat to cook, and God, would you please provide a way for us to have wood so that we could heat our home and cook? And guess what God provided? A dead fig tree. See, God is not bound. <laughs> God is not by bound by what we think and what we feel and what we perceive. And God is saying, think like me. This morning, are you in if-you-can mode? Are you in an if-you-can mode? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some things here, and, and it'll probably get a little lengthy, but I want you to hear it because I think it's really cool. 
And it's something I got from a commentary. And, and as I read it, I want you to take it to heart and I want you to listen to it. And it talks specifically about prayer because this passage of Scripture doesn't, doesn't just end, we know, doesn't end with Jesus, with this fig tree being withered up and gone. This passage of Scripture end with, ends with an incredible promise. And that promise is simply this. Through God, all things are possible. And if you pray, things are going to happen. Did you hear what I said? Things are going to happen. When you pray, when you pray, things happen. Can I get one testimony? Amen. When you pray, things happen. My brothers and sisters, this is what the world needs to know. That we will not be bound by our circumstances and our situations because when we pray, when Jesus Christ intercedes on our behalf, on the right, from the right hand of the Father, when by the power of the Holy Spirit we pray and we understand and we recognize that we, we can't fathom what's going on, the Holy Spirit is there and Jesus is there and God is there. It's kind of like we're just continuing a conversation with God that never ended. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we could all just learn to pray without ceasing? Wouldn't that be awesome? So I want to read to you this, because we could fall into this trap real quickly. I mean, I mean it, it, it said right there, if, if you pray, it's going to happen. But I say, if you pray, things happen. Does that mean specifically if you, if you pray something, if you pray for someone to be healed, that they're going to immediately be healed? I, 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 I wish, I wish I could. I wish I could heal all your problems, but then you know what we do when we don't have problems? <laughs> we do what we want to do and we don't rely on God, amen? So God, does God use our problems and our circumstances and our situations so that we can rely more on Him and less on ourselves? Before I read that, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not a real big fan of pop culture, but I want to do this one Tebow thing. I'm not going to need it down. Uh, Tim Tebow... Florida Gator uh, quarterback, and top of the world, couldn't be defeated. I mean, I think he could have taken on whole teams by himself when he was a Florida Gator. He goes to the FNFL. Except for one thing in Denver, when it seemed like the miracle of all miracles happened, his career has been, as I said before, well, he just got cut from the New England Patriots. He's no longer with the New England Patriots. He is, I, I haven't, Check the latest wire, but I'm assuming he probably is. Uh, some team is maybe looking at him. But do you think this guy's ever going to become an NFL quarterback? No. Um, why? Why? I don't understand why. But I will tell you this. In the, in, the, in, the twi- in the tweets that he sent out to the whole world, he first thanked the, organiza- the Patriots organization, very commendable, very admirable. And then the world picked up on, and I will continue, he used the relentless pursuit of becoming an NFL quarterback. Those are the words he used, or right in that area. You know what the world left out? He quoted 1 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And that whole, 1 Corinthians 12, talks specifically about what? I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 12 talks specifically about this. That in every situation that he had discovered 
that his strength was made perfect in weakness and that God's grace was sufficient for all things. This is what Tim Tebow said on Twitter. But did one media outlet, one news outlet, pick up on the fact that Tim Tebow's faith is being stretched and pushed? That he's being challenged at every stretch? You've got to remember, this was the guy that had everybody Tebowing. Had everybody kneeling down and praying in end zones and, and making a big joke of it. What did the news media outlets pick up on? Thank you, Patriots. I'm going to keep trying no matter what, but they missed why he is propelled, why he's doing what he's doing. He's doing it because he believes God is, is using this for a purpose specifically, that in his weakness, God's strength is revealed and that God's grace is sufficient. So, so why would I comment about Tim Tebow? Because the world is going to tell you what they think you want you to, what they think you want to hear. But God doesn't do that. Did you know that? When God speaks to you, He's not going to tell you what He thinks that you want to hear. When God speaks to you, God is going to tell you what you need to hear. Amen. That my God is not confined by me in what I think and what I believe. Wouldn't that be sad if we worshipped a God that only gave us what we wanted and only said what we wanted to hear? Oh, that's right, we do. It's called materialism. It's called phones. It's called Facebook. It's, what can I do on Facebook if I have someone who's telling me something I don't like? Unfriend. Bye-bye. All gone. What do I see if I see something on Facebook I don't like? Dislike. Thumbs down. The Christian faith. You don't unlike God. You don't unfriend God. Whether because of what He's saying to you. You listen. And you focus, and you love, and you learn, and you serve, and you do, and you become what he is calling you to become. That, my friends, is faith. I want to read this to you. You may agree with some of you, you may not. I'm pulling it specifically from uh, William William Barclay Commentary. Prayer gives us the ability to do things. Prayer is never the easy way out. Never simply pushing things onto God for Him to do for us. Prayer is power. It is not asking God to do something. It is asking Him to make us to be able to do it ourselves with His help. Prayer is not taking the easy way out. It is not receiving power. It is not receiving power to take the... It is, excuse me, it is receiving power to take the hard way. It is the channel through which comes the power to tackle and remove mountains of difficulty by ourselves with God's help. If it were simply a method of getting things done for us, prayer would be very bad for us because it would make us spiritually flabby and lazy and inefficient. Prayer is the means by which we receive power to do things. Therefore, we should never pray and then sit and wait. We must pray and then rise and work And we must love and serve. See, just doing isn't going to make it. But when we love and serve, that is when God's power is unleashed. 
But when we do, we will find a new dynamic in our lives. And that, in truth, is the truth in God, that all things are possible. And with God, the impossible becomes that which we can do. And Jesus, that specifically Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. Disciples said to him, Jesus, how can I be saved? Jesus says, with man this is impossible, with God all things, all things are possible. Prayer is the ability to accept things, and in accepting them, transforming them. It is not meant to bring deliverance from a situation. It is meant to bring the ability to accept it and transform it. Wonderful. Did you know that when you pray, you're not just praying, God, fix this situation for me so I don't have to deal with it. You're saying, God, if it's your will, your will be done. And if it is not done the way I ask, I pray that you will help me, give me the opportunity to accept it and then to be transformed by it. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it wonderful that we pray to a God who just doesn't hand us something that we wouldn't appreciate in the long run? I have some other things I, I could read here, but um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up now. Um, yeah, we're doing a song next. Band, if you want to come up, I'm just going to wrap up with this. And it has a lot to do with communion. In our prayer, we have to remember. We have to remember what? We have to remember what God has done. When our faith is shaken, when our faith is weak, when we are failing, when we're dangling over the edge and we say, God, we don't understand, you have to remember. Remember what God has done. And that, my brothers and sisters, is why we do communion. We do it because we have to remember what God has done. Because if we forget what God has done, we may not believe what He is going to do. If we forget what God has done, we may never believe what He's going to do. As you sing this song and as we prepare for communion, I ask that you remember now. Remember what God has done and recognize that He's going to do something in you and through you that you never thought possible. What are God's promises to you? Do you remember what God has done for you? If you need encouragement, if you need support, if you need help this morning, if you say, God, I don't understand, allow, sit there in that and say, God, transform. Renew my mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Renew my mind. Help me to see, not what I want to see, but help me to view it as you would help me to see it. And then God, when I stand in front of the fig tree, and I don't understand, I say all things are possible. All things are possible through God.